Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. Guys, I am, again, I'm always pumped to be with you guys. Uh, that's why I'm the mayor. I, I love my people. I love hanging out in Insurance Town. Uh, and I get excited. I know it sounds the same every week because I do get excited. It's not pre-recorded. People ask me that. Do you pre-record that? No, it's the same energy every week because I'm excited. I'm pumped to be here and hanging out with you guys. Uh, today, I've got a cool guest from outside the industry. Uh, so don't turn it off. It's it's a guy outside the industry, and he's going to correlate uh, to what we're doing. Um, and what he's done is he's developed an app for your agency. Uh, so you could be top of mind with your clients. So you can be in their back pocket, in their purse, in their hand every day, and you can be accessible. I, I love it. Uh, but beforehand, I got to talk to you about my friends over at Canopy Connect. Canopy Connect is your one-click solution to get those deck pages needed for your prospects. So you can quote them and get all that info over to your carrier and you can get them an accurate quote. It is awesome, revolutionary, and people love it. App.usecanopy.com. Reach out to my boy Tolga. Tell him I sent you. Get your discount. Schedule a demo. You'll get uh, you'll get a lot out of it, and you're going to really be glad you did it. Today, my guest is Mr. Matt Aaron. Matt Aaron is of the insurance agent app. Um, he comes from the entertainment world. Uh, he was a producer for shows like Oprah, and he would sell shows like Entertainment Tonight. He his father was one of the ones who piloted and green lighted Jeopardy. This dude has a super cool story, and um, he's blazed his own trail. And he's done a great job. He's developed apps for games. And now he's got an app for you, the insurance agent. Uh, sit back, relax. You got it. You got to hear this. Enjoy my conversation with Mr. Matt Aaron. Matt Aaron, what's happening, my brother? How are you, Mr. Mayor? Man, I am really, really good. Uh, I, uh, I, I've loved visiting with you and getting to know you the last couple of weeks. And um, I think it's super cool uh, what you're doing and your story. Uh, and I really want that to be shared. I don't even want to, you know, play around with uh, foreplay or anything or talk it. I want to get right <laughs> into it. Uh, let's do this. Why don't, why don't people find out who you are? Why don't we take a walk down memory lane and uh, let's tell your story. Go all the way back to, I want, let's do this. I want you to go back even to when you were an eight-year-old as a prize model. I want you to go that far back. And I want you to walk me through your past, your your family, your history, and who you are, because you're from outside the industry, so people may not know who you are. Fair enough. I'd uh, be happy to. I'll try to do this briefly. Uh, so um, I grew up in the entertainment industry because my dad uh, was at NBC, NBC in the late 40s. He was General Sarnoff's assistant, right? And then he ended up running programming at NBC. And one of the shows he green-lighted was Jeopardy. And there's a great story behind that. Jeopardy really wasn't created by Merv Griffin. It was created by Merv Griffin's wife after the uh, quiz show scandals of the uh, late 50s were front and center in the early 60s. Uh, my mom and dad were out uh, having dinner with Merv Griffin and his wife, Julianne, and they were saying, well, you know, what are we going to do, right? You know, uh, so why don't we just give them the answers first? And then they kind of looked at each other. It's like, you know what? Um, I think we got something in there. That's how Jeopardy was created. So my dad green lighted that. That show aired on NBC. And then that is so left, cool. 
Well, that's that a, is story. a cool That's a cool story. It's anyway, a true story. Yep, that's I don't want to interrupt going. you. Keep going. That's awesome. All right, You're already so, starting off with a bang. Right. So, you know, I'll talk a little bit out of school here. So then uh, my dad left NBC, started up Merv Griffin Enterprises with Merv, ended up leaving that and produced his own game shows. And one of those game shows, uh, there was a pilot being produced at the Ed Sullivan Theater for a show called Spouse Trap. And uh it was a couple show, kind of like the newlywed game. And one of the prizes you would win was a little sports car that was more kid related, right? So I was rolled out in that sports car, kind of waving, you know, as a little eight year old. And I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. I like this. So yeah. that was my first gig in the entertainment industry, right? But so I never you were wanted addicted to. addicted to the spotlight at an early age. Yeah, but I never wanted to work in front of the camera, you know, okay. so I never did. But in any case, um, my dad ended up producing a lot of game shows on it from Canada. And uh, I'll fast forward to um, how we got into this business, right? Um, we, I left the entertainment industry in 2008. And uh, at the time, I was thinking, okay, you can do anything you want, anything you want, which is more daunting than you think it is, right? You're at a point in your career where you can do anything you want. What do you want to do, right? And unless you've always known that, it's like, okay, it's a big white canvas, a lot of blue water out there. So um, we had this family-owned intellectual property, which were former TV game shows that were sitting in an attic in a box. And out of my whole family, I, I was going to be the one to naturally do something with those. So we started bringing those games out for play online back in 2008 and nine. And a little thing uh, in 2008 opened called the uh, iTunes App Store, Apple's App Store. And uh, so we turned on a dime and developed for that and put a couple of games out there. And it was great and we learned a lot and we were in mobile development early. And I never wanna live by the $1.99 model per download again, because it's no way to make a living. When you know that Angry Birds was Rovio's 50th 5.0 attempt at bringing out a game. Their 50th attempt at bringing out a game is the one that hit. And when you think about that, it's like, do you really want to do this? You know, we're not a game factory. We're not just going to manufacture these things. Even though I had a nephew who did it for the Nook and made a ton of money on it in high school. He, went, he copied games over in China and put them on the Nook for Barnes & Noble. He made a ton of money. As a high school kid, he was making six figures doing it. So money can be made, but we didn't want to make our money that way. And then... Um, in 2012, I was peripherally involved in an accident. Uh, it's on our website. I was jogging on a sidewalk with my 10-year-old son at the time on a four-lane road here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we're based. And a minivan got sideways about a foot from us and was skidding perpendicular to the road at about 40 miles an hour. So if it had jumped the curb, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Fortunately, I went up and took out the pin oak tree, caused a, you know, took out a huge chunk of this tree, caused a good-sized accident that we helped clean up. And in the process of cleaning it up, I asked myself the question, what would you have to do if you're in that accident? Got to call my agent. And that's when I realized I had no clue who my agent was. I had the wrong name for the guy. And I had no idea what the name of his agency was. So I went and sat down with him and uh, said, can I have a couple of minutes of your time? We didn't know anything about independence, captives, nothing about the industry, right? And uh, sat down with him and you'll love this because uh, I'm his client and I'm asking for a couple of minutes of his time. And uh, before we even started, I'm sitting across the desk and you say, hey, wait a second. You're not trying to sell me something, are you? <laughs> I'm sitting there going, dude, I'm a client. Uh, no, but so what if I am? Give me a couple of minutes, right? It was a very strange, you know, but I learned a lot, under, started to understand the world. But I asked him, 
in a very direct way, why don't you have a meaningful presence for me in my smartphone? And he said, I'd love to, but I don't have the time, the money, or the resource to build anything like that. And this is 2012. We knew that mobile was going to be the force that it was at the time, even though the industry didn't. And so that's how we got into it. But, you know, we always approached it from a relationship sales marketing component because that's what it's all about. If you're not connected with somebody on their mobile device and you're a service provider, you're missing a golden opportunity to establish real estate in a way that if you're that important in somebody's life and you are as an agent, you protect things that are very important to the individual, the family, the business, then you should have that presence on their smartphone because they don't know necessarily when they're going to need to reach out to you. But odds are when they're reaching out to you, something has transpired that says, I don't want to be messing around with who's my agent. I may know a CSR, may know a producer, but all I got to do is tap. So that's how we get into it. So, you know, from someone outside our industry and someone who was just out jogging with their son and uh, had a a near-death situation, so to speak, and you needed your agent, number one, you didn't know who he was. And number two which is his own fault because he didn't have a presence. And number two, you didn't even know how to begin the process or what to do. And so many times as insurance agents um, and insurance industry professionals, the people in my audience listening to this, we think, oh, people just know how to file a claim. They just know how to get a hold of their agent. They just know how to find me. All they have to do is just look it up or whatever, but they don't. They don't. They don't. They really don't. And I will tell you that uh, this is the rest of that story with the agent. Um, that agent handles our personal line business now. And I can't tell you the number of clients we have that have offered to take our personal lines business and we would gladly give it to them. The reason why I stay with that agent is because they are so poor at communicating. We want to know how low the bar is at communicating with clients. That's the (laughs) truth. That is the truth. I, I, I'm not lying when I say that, uh, they are that bad at communicating. It's like, yeah, we never hear from these people. They think they're awesome. They'll leave it to the company to communicate. We could leave these guys. I don't even think they'd know it. I mean, it. Wow. I don't even think they'd know it. So wow. that's, that's the bar. And that's where we're trying to genuinely help. All we do is what we do. So when I say we're here to facilitate engagement with clients for the independent channel, that is what we're trying to do. And so you're trying to give people listen to this show, my audience, you know, the avenue and the the opportunity through the app store, through the, the, the iPhone or through their smartphone to stay engaged with their clients better. Precisely. Yeah. And, you know, let, let's face it. Um, insurance is not going to be used every day like Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram, which is why. I mean, I had this discussion with uh, an agent yesterday in uh, Miami, um, and he used to have his own icon because he had a different uh, app vendor that has since gone out of business. And uh, we respect the fact that agencies work really hard on their branding. We have a lot of clients who are big branding businesses. They brand themselves very well. But the icon for our product is always I for insurance because when someone's thinking insurance, they're not thinking the brand name of the agency. They really aren't. Unless you're Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram, people aren't looking for your logo because they don't know what it looks like. I mean, they really don't. Unless you sponsored their Little League team six years ago or 60 years ago, they have no clue what your brand looks like. They're thinking about eye for insurance. They can find eye for insurance. They tap it and inloads the branding for a business. It's all about brand recall versus brand recognition. Someone may not recall your brand, but they will recognize it when they see it. 
So it's not more complicated than that. And I don't want to get in the weeds, but we made, we made a very conscious decision back in 2012. Do, do we customize the icon or do we keep it eye for insurance? And it's eye for insurance because it's about the consumer in their mobile moment, not your branding over the big picture. Their consumer in the mobile moment is thinking insurance. Oh crap, how do I get in touch with my agent? Because something just transpired. It's eye for insurance. Tap it, boom. Not complicated. No, not complicated at all. And so I want to give that a little bit more for a minute. Of, of uh, Okay, so at the time, because uh, I'm, I'm enthralled with the story a little bit, at the time that you were, you know, on that day, you know, running with your child, um, what were you doing at that time? What was your profession at that time? Were you um, in, in media? <laughs> no, we, we had, uh, I'd gotten out of media for the most part. I really had made that transition. I saw streaming coming a long time ago. I saw over the top TV, which is what, it was called kind of back then. I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't just want to go bring these games back out for TV because I could have done that and brought them out for syndication and let them run. I was thinking, okay, which way, what have I learned in the last couple of years from mobile development? Truly, what have I learned? I know more than most in-house developers know. And we certainly knew more than most um, IT professionals inside of insurance companies. So we took nine months to do our due diligence. So what was I doing? I was really trying to figure out what is it that I've learned that I can have fun with and do for the rest of my career. And so, believe me, when I walked up to my wife and said, I think I have an idea, she said, oh my God, no. And here's the other thing. Don't all of our wives do that? Well, <laughs> I've got an idea. Oh, crap. <laughs> here's the truth. Here's what, here's what was daunting to me, okay? Do you really think you're going to walk into a $650 billion a year industry, which is the US P&C business, and carve out your little niche? I mean, really, do you think you're just going to walk in and do that? And the answer was, well, heck, we know more about this than most people do. I know more about it than Bank of America does right now at that time in terms of how development happens. What are the steps to developing a really good mobile app that someone will use that's a good user experience? Because we don't have one customer, our agency is, that license our app. We have two customers, the end user, and we have B2B to C, right? So we're, when we build, we build from the end user perspective. We don't build from the agency perspective. So, and we, we keep the agency's wishes, needs, and perspectives in mind. But there's got to be utility at the end. I can't tell you how many apps I've tapped around where someone says, this is great. You're know, like, great for whom? Truly, for whom? This stinks. This is an awesome, terrible user experience. Apps have gotten much better now, but early on, I'm talking 12, 13, 14, 15. No, they were still very rough. And um, so it's gotten much better. And even insurance apps have gotten much better. You know, I haven't, did I tell you about my theory of IT in the insurance industry? No, let's go. <laughs> let's go, let's go. So uh, this is based on fact. I remember running this by Steve Anderson, if you know Steve, and anybody who's listening knows Steve. Steve's pretty, pretty well-known. I had has a good tech perspective on the industry. So I bumped into him at a conference several years ago, and I said, can I run this by you? I've got a theory of IT in the insurance industry. And let me know if I'm, I'm half on base or a crackpot. I, you know, and he said, okay, run it by me. I said, well, back in the 90s, you had your IT guy, because it was always usually a male. And the IT guy connected LANs and WANs. And when your computer didn't work, he'd reboot it or load software. And that was the IT guy, right? So in the late 90s, this little thing called the World Wide Web came around. And companies are looking around going, well, what do we do? Well, we get the IT guy because he knows all about computers because the web is all about computers, right? You know, in IT. So the IT guy became the web dude, right? Inside of an insurance company. 
Now, time is starting to pass, right? You get from the 90s to the 2000s. Now you're in the early 2000s, 2007, 8, right? Mobile starting to be a force. So the IT guy who became the web dude is now charged with mobile strategy, right? And that guy who was the IT guy who became the web dude is now kind of like one rung below the CTO CIO, right? The disciplines couldn't be more different than IT infrastructure for a major corporation, right? To web marketing, digital strategy, and then you have mobile as a component of that. Those disciplines couldn't be more different. And yet the people who continued to remain in the, uh, let's just say digital silo, the IT silo, whatever that silo was inside of an insurance company, they didn't know anything about anything else except what was in that silo. That's why computer systems inside of insurance companies don't talk to each other. You got policy admin, you got billing, you got claims. They don't talk. They're trying to make them talk now. They've come a long way. But the theory of IT was, these people have basically floated up from being the IT guy to the web dude, to the mobile strategist, to now like one rung below strategy for the corporation. A lot of those people have been changed out since 2012, 13, and they really have become professionals that understand these are very different disciplines and they need to have a holistic perspective. But back 2012, 13, 14, it was awful. We have one company we bumped in and Big, big regional company, right? So we're never going to have an app. And I said, really? Why is that? He said, we're going to optimize everything for mobile. And I said, that's great because every company in the world will have to do that, right? Their website will be optimized for viewing on a mobile device. And he said, no, we're never going to have an app. We're going to optimize for mobile. And I said, okay, uh, what's your time frame for that optimization of the uh, website? It's about uh, 24 months. And I said, you okay, okay, it's great talking with you. Good luck. Um, we'll, we'll catch up with you in a few years. That company now has a decent mobile app that's in service, but their agencies won't use it because the agents aren't anywhere to be found inside of that app. So, and that's the reason why company apps are, um, they've gotten better, but they're not utilized because our whole focus is to keep the agent at the center point of communication and company apps don't do that. So, and let's face it, if you know which way the winds are blowing in the independent channel, um, if you go and connect your client directly to their insurance company and the individual, the consumer, the policyholder wakes up one day and says, I'm connected though. Why, why do I need my agent? I've got my company right here. That's the quickest way to extinction from our perspective. Go establish that direct relationship with the company. I think, Go ahead. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That's one of the things that, you know, I hear, you know, as I'm consulting with agencies, and I, you know, I've worked for carriers and, and done this is uh, so many, you know, the biggest thing that agents say when you ask or when a client asks, what makes you different than the next guy? First thing they always say is customer service, or they'll say, <laughs> you know, we take care of our people. Um but, you know, the, the turnaround time is two, three days if you let them just go straight to the company. Or, you know, you've got so many things piled on your desk, you don't get to it right away. Um, or, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of times they'll say, okay, let's call this 800 number for XYZ carrier. And again, they may take two or three days to get back to them, or it may take, you know, too long. It's always too long for that person. So right. again, if you have an app in your hand that you've got your your logo on, it's it's your agency's app. You can file claims right then and there. If you need, you bought a new car, you need a um, you know certificate of insurance, or you need this, or you need you know that. You can get it right there at your fingertips. Right. But it's you. It's your brand. It's it your is. thing. Um, 
You need endorsements done right then and there. Boom. Go to yeah, your app. It's done. You're present to their client in the mobile moment. You know, there, there is a survey that we talk about when we do our demos. And it was done by Salesforce.com. They surveyed 8,000 consumers and business people as to what it means to be connected, connected to a consumer on their mobile device. There were three trends that came out of that report. And the first is, I got to ask you this question. Have you ever heard an independent agent say that they don't provide superior service? No. Of course they all, not. They all say they do. They're awesome. They're unbelievable, right? It's not, yeah. okay, great. Well, the truth is, everybody expects good service, right? That, that's the baseline now. So if you don't provide good service, someone's going to go somewhere else and find it. Right. The truth is, that's not what anybody is being evaluated on anymore, including my business. What you're being evaluated on was... What was the engagement when that service was provided? Was it, number one, personalized? Was it relevant, right? Was it done quickly? And if it wasn't, guess what? It's going to get noticed by the consumer, and they're going to find somebody who makes it personalized, relevant, and it's done quickly. You know, That's it. That's yep. it. It's the, it goes back to the path of least resistance or that ease of doing business, I feel like. And even as agents... Um, and I was a producer just several years back, active in an agency. And a lot of times it would come down to the carrier that gave me the path of least resistance is who I'd write business with. That's it. And a lot of my audience listening right now, they know what I'm talking about. Um, and yeah, people talk about price, 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 price. And you got to save 15% by, you know, doing this or, but again, it comes down to path of least resistance or yeah. ease of doing business. And I think that goes for you as the agent as well, listening to this or carrier, listening to this to have that app, to have that right through fingertips. You know, everybody's got this, everybody's got their phone in their right. back pocket. And I'll tell you, the CTOs we've talked with at companies recognize that they, they have a dual channel mobile strategy. They're going to have their own. They're going to offer an app so that the clients who want to connect with them on an app will do so. But they also have to support their independent distribution channel partners. And if those partners choose to deploy an app like Insurance Agent App, they, they support that. They wholeheartedly support that. The smart companies, not all, but smart. Right. And again, I think that goes back to, um, you know, for the carrier agent relationship, I think that, you know, that's hugely important for them to continue to support that. But it also is the agent, you're going to continue to do business with people that you enjoy doing business with. That's right. Yeah. It's and not complicated. Not no. complicated. But that engagement component is really important. It's not about service. It's how the service was delivered these days. You know, through COVID, app use is up 40%. Do you want to guess how much time that relates to how much time people are spending on their mobile devices per day? Take a guess. Eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> it may get there. No, but it, it's four hours and 20 minutes a day. That's incredible. Uh, I was just throwing out a number. But yeah, four hours is a long time to be on. Anyway, go right. ahead. Now, some of that's binge watching, right? Netflix, Amazon Prime, no question. But a lot of it is people have found apps to help them be more productive. And those apps help them do things that, guess what? They're not going to do in person. I do see more people picking up their groceries in, in that you know, pickup lane than ever before. People shopping via an app. And I look at it like, you know what? It makes perfect sense. People really are. I flew for the first time last week. Uh, and it was a very odd experience. I got to tell you. I'm going to be avoiding them for a while. That was an unpleasant experience. You know, and the past passengers were great. Flight crews were just like mean and all. <laughs> I'm like, just get me off this thing. So sorry, I didn't mean to diverge, but it's, no. I'm very grateful for what we do. Right. You were talking about engagement. Um, 
you know, with your, with your clients and, um, you got off like me, ADHD, you got off on a squirrel moment, no big deal. Sorry. But if you wanted to go back to that, that's where you were. You're talking about engagement. Is that, uh, did you have something you want to talk about there a little bit more? No, I just think that it is the measurement now that agents are being evaluated on. It's not about service. It's about how you are engaging. And if you're not present in their mobile moment, then somebody else will be. And I think that's, that's how I would bring that home for people who are listening. So to become and be that top of mind. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, one of the things that I wanted you to get into, uh, since we're at a squirrel moment in the relationship or in the <laughs> podcast here, uh, which I have a lot of those in my life, so don't worry about it. Um, but one of the things we were talking about off air um, that I think correlates here, which uh, is good, is uh, talking about top of mind. Um at a point in your career, um, you were selling shows um, for like Oprah Entertainment Tonight. You mentioned some shows and you were trying to sell airtime and, and you were talking about, um, you know, that game a little bit and what you learned from that and the strategy behind that. Um, and, you know, laying the trail. I would love for you to get into that a little bit with me uh, and talk to my audience about what we were talking about, because there's so much in that that correlates here in being top of mind and the patience that takes. Um, yeah, set that up a little bit for you to kind of run with that a little bit. Um, sure. I'm going to give you a little guardrails, but you run on that because I think there's some correlation my audience would enjoy on that. Sure. So um, back when TV stations were important, right? Um, there, there was no streaming, <laughs> yeah. right? Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> this is, uh, time slots were important, yeah. Time slots were very important. When TV stations really were, when, when you did watch the local news at either 5 or 6 or 11 o'clock, right? Um, I worked with Paramount Pictures and I was in a division that was a very small, very tight group of about 25 people total. And we in a glorified, we were in syndication, it was called. And in, that's a glorified way of saying we sold TV programs to TV stations. And I'm talking about markets as big as New York and LA, all the way down to Zanesville, Ohio, which I think is one of the smallest markets. I remember I was in Dothan, Alabama, regularly in Albany, Georgia, some really small markets, right? You get to know people very well. And in a lot of these markets, you know, these times, these deals get done for an entertainment tonight or an Oprah or a Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy. These deals are five-year deals, right? They're locked in, you know, license fees are huge, big money. And I mean, big money, right? Um, and, and syndicated shows like Seinfeld, Cheer, like, you know, all these sitcoms that are, you know, okay. So what you had to do was really map out, okay, I've got a great show and I want to sell it into that 7.30 time slot, but that slot's not opening up for four to five years. What's my plan? You had to have a plan for how you were moving your show in that market, by the way, off a lower rated station onto the larger rated station because higher rated station, more money you get for license fees, more money we all make. And the patience that it took to execute some of those deals was real. The planning that it took to launch a Seinfeld into a market because you're bringing it out into syndication. Seinfeld was commanding and still commands one of the highest license fees. The office commands one of the highest license fees because people continue to watch these shows. So you had to have a strategy. And by the way, it wasn't a strategy just for your market. You had compatriots, fellow employees who were out in the Dallas office or the LA office or the Chicago office. They handled other markets. And whatever you did in one market might impact them in another market. So if you weren't thinking 360 degrees about how this deal could go down, 
um, and you made a mistake or you didn't communicate that, uh, what your thinking was or how the strategy could change. If you went off and acted on your own without communicating effectively, um, there were repercussions that, that were very serious. We learned, I learned um, an immense amount working with Paramount and there's some great stories to tell. It was a very rough environment. You think insurance is tough. Um, the, the stories you hear about Hollywood, some of those stories, um, they're real. In a, sorry, I diverged. No, I no, no, you're fine. But one of the things, like I said, we talked about, I think this correlates, and so far you're correlating a lot of things, but I think what, what correlates here what correlates is that um, you had to lay that trail, as you talked about, and lay the rail and say, you know, I got to have a strategy to stay top of mind. Because if you're a commercial agent and you're calling on a client uh, that renews in six months, you got to stay top of mind while you're working on this with them. Or it could be they tell you, hey, my agent's going to retire next year or my brother's got it. He's going to retire in three years. And if you want that account, you got to stay top of mind. Yes. What are some of the things that you learned, some of the things that you were doing to stay top of mind or to, to you know, some of that strategy you might have had? Could you share some of that? Sure. Um, we were very fortunate in that our travel budgets, I mean, I was on the road 40 weeks of the year. Uh, and that's why I'm a million miler. We flew a lot and we were given carte blanche to make any trip into any market at any time that, that we felt like we ne needed to do to move a deal forward. We were never questioned. Uh, these were the early days of cell phones, so that the cell phone minutes were charged by the minute. Cell phone minutes were like a dollar a minute. If our cell phone bill wasn't about $2,500 a month, we were questioned as to why <laughs> our bill wasn't so high. Can you imagine that, right? Um, but the point was you were in constant communication and you found a reason to be in front of somebody. And it wasn't just to say hello. There was information. There was research that we would put in front about the way shows were working in similar markets. It was some value, some kernel, some nugget that moved the deal forward. And you always, and believe me, we had supporting people that would tell us, here's somebody who knows that person. Here's what they like. They do like golf on Wednesdays in the South. And believe me, you ask a lot of people in the South, they play golf on Wednesday afternoons. Okay, bring your sticks up, you know, go hit the ball with them. And it was that kind of familiarity that you got to know people over time. I mean, I, I'll never forget, we did a client trip to uh, Spain and one deal that had taken four years, I finally took that general manager on this trip with Paramount and it was the trip of his lifetime. And we were forever ingratiated with this general manager. We couldn't do anything wrong, right? That took a long time. And everybody had said, nobody is going to get this deal done with this guy. And I kind of took that as got to get it done. Now, I, another one, I mean, I'll tell you this. I, I was in a market in Fort Myers, Florida. We had a deal that was going down. And um, I had negotiated a very large deal that required moving a stable of programs from one TV station to another. It's a very dangerous thing to do because you could ruin a relationship for the rest of a decade easily, right? You yeah. shut you shut the company out of the market. And I remember when we had worked this deal and the owner of the station was there. The guy is worth tons of money. He said, uh, you're going to shop this offer, aren't you? And I said, no, uh, my goal is to sit here and get this deal done now. You had to know who you were dealing with because if you didn't, you really, you thought these things through downstream to a point where um, you, you were, you couldn't do anything wrong. The only time I ever, and I'll tell this story, I ever got concerned 
was in Columbia, South Carolina. We were moving a show from one station to another. And I didn't have a choice in the matter. This is the impact of another market impacting us. And I didn't have control of this deal. But I had to explain this to the general manager who had a heart condition. No kidding. I thought this guy was going to die right in front of me because the sweat that came out of his forehead, the palpitations that were happening, I'm thinking somebody's going to die right in front of me. And, you know, you get to that level of, I mean, this impacted this guy's station in a huge way. And it wasn't going to impact it tomorrow. It was going to happen next year. But I knew that I was, I was severing that relationship for a while. And the company knew it too. I said, you realize what's going to happen. But the, um, this had been discussed. It had been looked at from a 360 degree perspective. It was the right decision. It was, a, it was the right business decision. Um, I, look, there are other times when you got to know people well enough. I was at a dinner with a guy the night before with his wife. And someone called me the next morning and said, have, uh, have you seen Joe Schaefer yet this morning? And I said, no, why? I said, I had dinner with him last night. And he said, well, uh, he died last night. I said, what? <laughs> it's not possible. And, you know, you get to know these people really well. But it took me a long time to get to know Joe. And I had to stay in town for the next, like, five days for his funeral. Wow. You know? But these things take – and you talk about relationships. Yeah, they're relationship because you're in this – you're in this business for, I did it for, you know, eight, nine years. You get to know these people very, very well. And, and initially you're never, you're thinking you're never going to get to know them because you know what, they're hard to get to know, but you find a way in, you find that kernel, that nugget that opens the door and you'll find it. You just got to keep turning over rocks to discover it. You know, I think that's, it's fascinating. I love hearing your stories from that because Regardless of what, number one, regardless of what industry you're in, uh, it comes down to relationships. Regardless of how much technology you have, how many apps you have, what you're doing, if you listen to enough episodes of Insurance Town, which I think we're on 43, 44, um, there's an underlying theme of relationships. And I think that relationships are still so important, whether it's you know the beginning of your career in media or you're in insurance today. I, I really do feel like relationships are, are what it's all about and building that relationship. And then after that, you know, and um, enhancing that relationship goes back to your app, goes back to those insurance, you know, uh, things that we talked about earlier uh, and the industry things we're doing, but it starts with the relationship. Um, and I feel like, um, I, I, you know, your app that you developed, you know, going back to that part of your story um, helps that relationship to be enhanced by saying, okay, um, not only am I going to tell you as we're building this relationship, I'm going to take care of you, but now I can do it and here's how. And so uh, let's go through the early part of your app in the early days of that. What what were some of the main things that you wanted to accomplish with that and how has it developed since then? What was the first thing you thought, this has got to be the main focus and I know it's developed from there, but start from there. Sure. I mean, we, we developed, you know, we saw what was out there prior to when we rolled out insurance agent. And there were some good 1.0 efforts, but they were more like contact apps. So from day one, we architected to integrate with agency management systems or to connect with insurance companies, right? So we had those two strategies. The integrations have come, they've come slowly, and they've come slowly because the systems themselves weren't created to integrate with other vendors, right? They had to create the APIs to connect with others. And the first to do that was QQ Catalyst. And uh, then Catalyst was bought by Vertifor. We're members of Vertifor's Orange Partner Program. 
we are optimistic about the day that we will integrate with AMS 360. Uh, there's a REST API that they use internally that we hope they will that they will make available for vendors because that is the API that is more robust than the current old API that's in service that doesn't give us everything that we need. Um, we, so we always architected to integrate because the integration is important. That allows us to display policy data in the app, uh, including ID cards, proof of insurance ID cards. And, you know, the irony is this, and you, you have to laugh about this. People already have their insurance information and they never look at it anyway, right? So why are they going to look at it in an app? Right. And, and the reason is it's important to the agency. It's important to us that the data be there. But we've always said, look, you're going to have your early adopters. Let them connect to you because they want to be connected to you. And that's why we built all the other components in the app, right, for change and cert request. The inventory component is real right? People can actually document what they own. <clears throat> and when 5G really goes on a large rollout, we'll incorporate video in a meaningful way. And the reason why we haven't incorporated video is because our app is always in real-time sync with the cloud so that the data is always up to date. And if you tried to sync video in real time, you can't do it yet. You will be able to with 5G on a broad rollout. <coughs> Pardon me. So the app evolved, right? And it evolved in a way that was very tightly woven uh, I can't tell you how many requests we've had to incorporate the weather in the app, incorporate restaurant reviews. And I'm thinking, why in the world would somebody come to your insurance app for, unless you have a gastro component to your insurance agency business, no one's going to come to your app looking for a restaurant recommendation. Not likely. It's not behavior, right? It's not normal. Um, they're not going to come to your app looking for a gas station, right? Or, or a gas pricing component inside the app. They're not going to do it. There are other quicker, easier ways to get that information. However, um, if they need to document an accident, we had an agency that we just signed up in Denver recently, and they had not rolled out the app yet to their clients. The principal there got a call from a client who said, you know, I've just had a sewage backup, bad. What do I do? The principal texted a link to the app store so that the client could go install the app, downloaded the app and completed the property incident report. And this claim was filed with Safeco within an hour or two of the sewage backup happening. The client was thrilled because the agency made a very unpleasant situation more palatable. You know, I mean, no one wants a sewage backup, but you know what? We're here to help you. Let us get this claim going as quickly as possible. We have that report in our demo. We show that because it's a great example of an agency being present for their clients in a meaningful way, in a way that the client wasn't expecting. The, the client was expecting, yeah, you're going to have to send us pictures, you know, and how do I get those to you? How does this all happen? It was like, here's what you do. Step one, step two, step three, and we'll have it filed. And you, you, you down, there you go, off you go. So, the app has, has evolved. Um, we've rebuilt the app so that it's built on today's technology. Uh, we stopped down. And the current release of the app was released in uh, April of last year, this year, last year. And um, it is built for the long haul right now. It's built on a platform that uh, it's going to be around for a while. So we can move and ingest data now from anywhere, from a management system, from a company. The company... You know from, from that, as you talk about this, uh, I'm wondering, and again, you know, we haven't talked about this prior, but I do, you know, um, want to know, we can edit it if not. Is there a way 
on this app to push communication from the agency to the client. Oh, sure. um, and so if you were to, I know you said the video integration is not quite there yet, but if you want to push out communication of any kind, yes, that is available as a, uh, a part of this. Yeah. In fact, um, you, and know, you can document that in your agency management system, I'm sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, right. So more agencies are texting now, right? So that's good. And they're texting out of the management system and that's great. So if you're communicating individually with your clients, you're you're probably going to use that avenue, that text component within the management system. However, um, and this happens regularly. In fact, uh, in the Pacific Northwest this summer when the fires were raging, uh, particularly in Oregon, we have a lot of clients up there. They were sending out a lot of push notifications saying, you know, here's the situation right now. Those push notifications come in like a text message and they can go to everybody who has installed the app or just select clients, maybe those with a particular line of business or as few as one client. So when those notifications go out for, hey, look, you know, the fire is in this area. We may need to close early today. You know, if you're impacted by this, here's the number to call in an emergency. Um, Certainly, Louisiana... Yeah, in Louisiana, I'm thinking, you know, if you could give a forewarning, which most people are going to know, but hey, I saw there's a tornado coming, you might want to take shelter, or you might want to get to a safe area, you could prevent, you know, claims in that way, or there's a hailstorm coming, you know, people might know, okay, let's make sure the cars are in a, a, a covered area, or let's make sure that we're prepared for this, um, you know. I'll give, I'll give you a good example, right? Uh, yeah, I just yeah, talked talk- Talked with an agency in Mobile, Alabama, Fairhope, actually. And he said he had 50 claims this summer from a storm that came right over uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. He knew an agent in Gulf Shores that had 500 homeowners claims because of the storm. That's where when you have a standardized property incident report, has all the pictures, has all the documentation that you need to say, here's the claim, let's get it filed. Because the sooner that claim gets filed, the better the agency's loss ratio is going to look. So that's what it's about. That, that's exactly right. Um, and uh, I completely, I, I think that this app that you've developed, and, and again, I know there's probably others that are out there, other companies that are out there that do this. But I think that what you're talking about doing and continually developing it, continuing to update it and upgrade it. Um, I, I think it's fascinating. And I think that it's something that is needed. Now, when I was a producer and uh, I had my agency and I was working, uh, I just assumed that all of this technology and developing your own app and doing all this would cost a lot of money and it would be a lot of headache and a lot of trouble. And it's funny, I was talking to a guy yesterday, one of your clients, and he said, I had it all done in like seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it was no problem. Could you can you talk to that just a little bit? And you know sure. who that client was, but we don't just call him out yet. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah. but I want, I'll I'll talk about that client because we have an important stat from that client that I'll I'll mention in a second. But the onboarding process was made very simple because we recognized if we didn't make it very simple, that's not good. So the onboarding process is about fifteen minutes. <clears throat> At the completion of that process, there's a little bit of setup in terms of getting a brand laid out properly inside the app. But basically, the app is ready to go and ready to be deployed. When it came to pricing, <clears throat> we had a lot of agencies tell us after they signed up, you guys aren't charging enough for this. And our whole goal wasn't a high unit rate. Our whole goal was to get it into the hands of independent agents. We're a small business, <clears throat> just the way these are. Uh, we are not in the business of trying to make a lot of money in a way that we see other vendors doing, charging four and $500 a month. And we're like, why? Like we're really, we've had other agents say to us, well, I can do that. Why would I, why would I pay somebody four and $500 to do that? 
from reviews, things like that. <clears throat> so we wanted to make this accessible for the largest of the large to the smallest of the small. And I spend as much time with a sole proprietor as I do with a very large, you know, um, 200,000 client office. Our largest client is out in LA, um, big operation. They're one of our clients. And to, so we made it accessible. It's very reasonably priced. There are no contracts. We don't lock people into something that they can't free themselves from because we don't need contracts. Our clients stay with us for a really long time. Um, the agent you're referring to, uh, Paradiso, uh, we asked him, we started to ask agencies that have been clients of ours for a very long time, <clears throat> at least seven years. Of those clients who've downloaded the app over the past seven years, how many are still active clients with active policies? And the first agency we asked to do that was Chris Paradiso. And he came back with the, a number of 96%. And I nearly fell off my chair. And that's a big number. We recognize that. And I picked up the phone and called Chris and I said, what did you expect that number to be? And he said, I thought it would be between 85 and 88%. He said, this is huge, 96%. And we've always known that the app has a stickiness to it, a stickiness component that, you know, look, the people who want to get connected with you are going to stay with you longer. So we're starting to get evidence to that effect. Uh, I want to go back on one thing that you mentioned, because I think it's important to discuss. Go for it, brother. <clears throat> when we talk about apps that are out there, um, I would encourage everybody to be thinking about two things. Uh, cost is always a factor. Uh, we've always been reasonably priced and we know that we are. So we like where we are positioned. But there are entrants that are coming into the arena now where we have had agents say to us, I'm not sure what's happening with the data. So that's number one. Like, how does this all work? Uh, we're very transparent that we don't solicit to your clients. We're not going to allow insurance companies to solicit to your clients. That's important. Another component to ask about is, okay, if I do business with you now and I've connected my clients to insurance companies, what happens if I don't work with you anymore? What happens with that relationship? And the clients are still connected to the insurance companies. Those companies can remarket to those clients. These are considerations that agents need to think about with vendors that they're working with. What really happens with this data and this information? Read your standard terms and conditions, please, because it's important. And ask those questions that if I'm not doing business with you, what happens after that? Because most people don't think about that. They just think the relationship's over and it's like, oh no, you just connected you know, 5,000 of your clients to their insurance companies, you just think that's going to go away? No, it's not. Something's going to happen there. You just don't know it yet. So what is going to happen? They're going to be remarketed to. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. You think a company's going to miss that opportunity? No, not at all. Uh, but I think that's, you know, I think that's a good message. Uh, I think that's interesting to put out there. So uh, I appreciate that. Um so let me do this. Uh, what I want you to do, we've talked about a lot of things, uh, and I think we've we've had a good little ADHD, you know, conversation here. It's those are my favorite. squirrels. Those yes. are my favorites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think those are my favorite because it's a real conversation, and I wanted to record this because I think it's so applicable, and I think it's so interesting. And I hate, you know, people uh, using the. Uh, podcast as a platform for their product, but I wanted, and I had to pull that out of you a little bit. I wanted you to talk about your product <laughs> and I wanted you to get in that because I think it is important. And I think that it should be a part of every agency's onboarding experience and every agency's uh, platform for their clients, because like you said, ease of doing business, um, accessibility, there's so many things that are important about uh, having your own app. So I appreciate you, uh, but I want to give you the floor. I'm going to be quiet. Um, 
And I, I'm not going to ask you any questions. I just want to give you the floor for two or three minutes to, you know, inspire, innovate, educate, whatever you want to do, uh, whatever's on your mind. It could be another squirrel moment or it could be about some of the things we've already talked about. So take a few sure. minutes um, <laughs> and go. And I'll let you know when, you know, you're done. <laughs> when, the, when the red light goes on. Right. <laughs> When the red light goes on, here's the red light. No, so first off, I would say th thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure getting to know you because our relationship is new. Uh, I appreciate your energy coming from the entertainment world. People who listen to these podcasts and yours in particular have no idea how hard it is to get up for the podcast, to prepare for the podcast, to entertain with a podcast because it is what you're doing. I consider you talent because that's the world I come from. And we were always trained to treat, treat talent well. And most of the talent that I really enjoyed working with were really, really good people. They're fun people to be around. Generally speaking, actors are pretty fun. And I don't consider you an actor. Those people I don't like to be around. Um, they're <laughs> big differences. So uh, thank you for giving me this forum. I hate that you have to pull stuff out of me, but I get going and I've enjoyed the conversation. So it's been a lot of fun. And um, I'd, I'd love to uh, continue this dialogue in whatever form you want to continue because I enjoy talking with you. But our whole approach, again, with, with agents is this. Look, get connected to your clients sooner than somebody else is going to get connected to them. The discussion about millennials and that, that discussion kind of waned, right? It's more about through COVID, you know, people really have found different ways to connect with service providers that they do business with. So if you haven't asked yourself, how are we doing business differently? then you probably should have by now, right? And if you're thinking that you're just gonna go back to doing business the way that you used to and everything is gonna be the way it was, there is no new normal and we're not gonna get back to normal. So if you're not utilizing tools that help you be more productive, it's, it's a missed opportunity, right? You may skate through this event that has happened in everybody's life around the world and you may continue doing business the way that you were doing it, but I look at the opportunity cost of not utilizing new technology to connect with people in ways that, you know what, could earn you more money. So, and by the way, we are a, and I look at insurance agent app, I'm like, you know, what's the downside of utilizing insurance agent app? I got connected to some of my clients in a way that I wasn't connected to them before. Where's the downside in that? There is no downside, right? There really isn't. Uh, the downside is deploying an app that, isn't right for your business uh, because there are statistics that say you want to deploy the best app that you can because the, the odds of your clients downloading an app a second time that's different go down to 85% and the odds of them downloading a third app that's different than the first and second app goes down about 17%. In other words, if you keep saying, oh, download this one, oh, download that one, download that one, it's not good. Your clients don't appreciate it. So you want to get this right. We've been doing this for now nine years in the independent channel. We're members of ACT, the Agents Council for Technology. And, you know, this is all we do. We don't build apps for doctors or lawyers. We are not great sales guys. Although I came from the sales world, uh, we have not set ourselves up well to sell. It's something we're trying to fix. So we are low pressure. Uh, there are others out there that are really good at sales. They have a an organization in place that sells hard. Uh, we've... Uh, talk to a lot of people who've been pitched recently in our channel, and it's a hard sell. Um, nobody that's deploying technology should be sold hard. This stuff we understand is complicated. 
right? Even though the, the rollout is simple and deployment is simple, getting your head around the fact that your business now has a mobile app, that's a big deal. We, we respect that. So you shouldn't be pressured into deploying an app, right? Take your time, figure it out. But don't take too much time. It's not that complicated. It's like anything else. So the app itself, simple to navigate. We get really high marks for the ease of use of the app by end users, by consumers, by policyholders. That's really important because um, if the app doesn't provide utility, if it's not simple to tap around, people won't use it. Uh, there's a fellow named Billy Vangura who's pretty vocal on uh, Twitter. And I know Billy and he and I were paying each other on LinkedIn recently. And Billy said about one of our competitors out there, he said, you know what? I don't get it. These guys should know better. They came from the insurance world. And he said, their app doesn't do anything. That was Billy's words, not mine. And I just kind of smiled and just kind of went, okay, he gets it. You know, there's got to be utility there, right? If it's just policy information, people already have their policy information. They don't look at it anyway. So there's got to be utility. So that's what we built into the app for independent agents and deploying it only helps your clients. It's not going to hurt you. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And again, I said, pull, pull it out of you in the sense of, you know, your humility and your lack of salesmanship that you didn't want to just push your product on me. You came on the show as two friends and just wanted to chit chat. And uh, I, I love that. And I, I, that's what I meant by that. I didn't mean anything other than <laughs> it was just, uh, it was cool to be able to talk to you and you didn't come on saying, I want to talk about insurance agents app. Um, I want to push my product. No, it was just two friends talking and I just happened to hit record on a podcast. And that's what I wanted. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate your compliment uh, because yeah, sometimes it is difficult when you've recorded a couple of podcasts in a day trying to hype up that energy, but it's also uh, easier when you have a passion about what you're doing. And I could tell Great. you have a passion for what you do. And I have a passion for this insurance industry <laughs> and, you know, making it as better, as better as I can, as best I can, leaving it better than I found it. I mixed up two or three phrases there at once. So <laughs> whatever. Um, I, uh, I, again, I appreciate you. I hate that we ran out of time. We're going to do this again. Um, give them, give the audience of insurance town, your contact information, how they can find you. And, um, you know, let's, let's end on that note. Let's get your contact info out. Sure. Easy to find us. Uh, the website is insuranceagentappapp.com. Uh, phone number, happy to uh, talk with anybody. It's 980-288-7723. And, you know, uh, please reach out to us. Uh, yeah. Our website is a good resource. So please uh, check out the website. It's a great resource. Pricing is, uh, everything is there that you need to kick the tires on insurance agent app. But what I would encourage people to do is take action. You know, you listen to these things, then you realize a week later, yeah, that was great, but you know, you're on to the next thing. Um, check it out. Uh, take a demo. Sign up, and uh, we're good people to work with. So uh, that's what I would say. Uh, we look forward to uh, meeting you. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, again, guys, reach out to Matt. Uh, get to know him. Find out more about his product. Uh, or just, you know, ask him cool stories about his life. Uh, this guy's awesome. Um, and so thank you so much for coming, hanging out with me on the show. Thanks for joining us in insurance town. I, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Appreciate it. And look forward to talking with you again soon. Yes, sir.
Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for checking out my conversation with Matt Aaron today. I really hope that the content we brought you made you a better insurance professional. And I mean that. I say it each and every week because it's true. I have a passion for this industry and I love for you, the listener, and I want you to get as much out of it as you can. Email me, Heath, at insurancetownpodcast.com. I want to hear your ideas. I want to meet your friends. If you've got some uh, friends that you think would be great guests, if you've got some some strategy and content ideas, let's talk. Shoot me an email. Reach out to me. Uh, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, find me. Contact me. I love the feedback that I've gotten. All the way back to day one, um, I, I've loved it. It's been so cool. Uh, today's episode was recorded, edited, released by my boy Ryan over at Ready, Set, Podcast. Find him at GetReadySetPodcast.com or you can find him on, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. He's everywhere. Uh, if you have an idea for your own show, reach out to Ryan. I really think it's important uh, to get your own podcast. It's the future. Uh, let's do it. Uh, the future's now. Uh, reach out to Ryan. Tell him I sent you. Ready, set, podcast. Turning your brilliant idea into reality. Thanks again, guys. And I'll hang out with you again next week.